Welcome to the Ignition Podcast, the podcast about taking your love for cars and showing you the possibilities. Whether you're 13 and wondering what jobs are out there for me, or 30 and asking yourself, am I doing the right thing? Let my guests be your guide for turning a passion for cars into a purpose. And do you want to start a business? Jack didn't want to, but through curiosity to be like his granddad, came about Auto ID, one of the UK's top brands for customising your car. A story which is based on a racy past and has turned out to be fueled by passion. So if entrepreneurship and innovation are things that you identify with, give this a listen. My passion initially come from my grandfather. He was like this sort of like Superman to me when I was a kid. Race team, he like um, used to do like touring cars, he'd race motorbike. That relationship with my granddad was everything to me. That as you grow up, you start to realize sort of the, that superhero cloak isn't always necessarily there on that person. How do you think that had molded you and like your visions for the future and, and your career? Like how did that have an impact on, on younger Jack? It probably wasn't until I had really had the vision for Auto ID that I was clear on where, where I wanted that inspiration to come from. And that was when it became a business. And that was how that impact that my granddad had and that lifestyle that he had led, you know, encouraged me and inspired me to try and do the same. Like I was getting up at five o'clock in the morning, dispatching orders, going to work, coming home, answering emails all night, getting back up again and doing it again. I did that solidly for three years. It was draining. Luck plays a big part in people's journey. I say it just sort of evolved really. And an and auto ID was kind of a happy accident. Uh, as each step we've done, as we've recruited and stuff like that, it's enabled the next step and the next step. I guess the advice there would be, don't be impatient, you know, be consistent, turn up every day. Auto ID in the UK is a nice idea, but Auto ID in the USA and the UAE and the da 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 is another really interesting prospect as well. So if there's one thing that I wish I'd have done back in the day was get... Hey, uh, my main aim is to help you get into the automotive and motorsport industries. Now, you don't have to, or you already have a job, that's fantastic. If you want to know more about what's coming up and the guests we do feature on the podcast, just hit the follow on this platform. You'll be notified of new episodes every Monday and Thursday, and any extra bonus content as well. With that being said, enjoy the episode. Jack, welcome to the podcast. Um, the little question I'll start off with is, is what ignited your passion for cars in the first place? Mate, well, yeah, thank you for having me on, first and foremost, mate. It's obviously a pleasure to be on. Um, it's a good question. Um, my my passion initially come from my grandfather. Um, he was like this sort of like Superman to me when I was a kid mm. uh, because he, like myself, um, and like I've sort of followed in his footsteps, he ran his own business. But in addition to that, the guy run his own race team he like um used to do like touring cars he'd race motorbikes um he had sort of ford escort mark ones that he'd take off roading and rallying and things like that like and to me it was just like the most incredible thing and obviously he wasn't doing that whilst i was a child he would tell me of all these stories as as i was sort of growing up and um i just i guess from that point onwards i was obsessed and uh, I was really lucky when I was younger to, to as my mum and dad have always worked, when I was young, I always ended up going over my own granddad's. A few people have that sort of situation. And um, it meant that sort of finishing from school because my granddad had his business, he had a bit more free time. So when he'd come home from work and I'd be at home from, from school, my own and granddad's, he'd be 
in the garage tinkering with like remote control cars you know we had remote control boats that we'd take mm. over the lake you know we had all different bits and bobs like that they just sort of fueled my passion i guess for not just cars but kind of technology science you know like all of that sort of stuff has kind of really probably shaped who i am um to be honest and that's really where cars ingrained in me because i just love the remote control cars and sit and watch the f1 and i guess yeah it's it's been from a very young age that i've been obsessed and um I guess like most people now, I'm kind of known as the car guy in like my friend's circle or mm. a car will drive past two miles away, you'll hear the engine going, they'll go, what's that? Like, oh, that's a, yes, yeah, you know, five litre V10 or whatever it is out of an R8. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess that's kind of what fueled it for me, really. Yeah. And so how important is that relationship with your granddad then to you? Mate, it, I, it's, it's interesting because we, for me, that relationship with my granddad was um was everything to me in the sense that it was the reason i that lifestyle he lived was something that i always looked up to living mm. myself you know i always wanted to say that when i have grandkids you know do, 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 i want to do that um what's interesting is that as you grow up you start to realize sort of the the um that superhero cloak isn't always necessarily there on that person. And I would never detract away from maybe what my, my granddad's achievements. But I think that what's been nice is in that, you know, he unfortunately passed um, a couple of years ago, uh, nearly two years in October this year. And that was one of the most difficult things to deal with because whilst he was alive and here, everything was this kind of glossy, amazing you know, he's achieved everything that I ever want to achieve. Then actually slowly since he's passed, unfortunately, some cracks are beginning to show in that sort of legacy that he's left. But I think the impact that he gave me was was everything that I still am today. So I think that relationship, I'd never take that, take that back. And I think that he um yeah, he definitely defined who I am and who this company has ultimately become around me because yeah, it's inspired everything we've done today to date, to be honest. Um it is interesting on reflection when you you know you start to realize that people are human you don't see mm. these people like that you, you see them as this like godlike level and then you realize oh actually you know maybe you wasn't that sort of you had your vulnerabilities you know you had your flaws you had your and so that's that's been an interesting challenge for me to really face up to over the last sort of 18 months really yeah and so what was that first crack then that sort of like made you see that i guess these people that you do idolize that aren't are human at the end of the day yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it's more because there's been so many different things going on. Like I said, he had his own business and mm. that had complications to family in day to day anyway, because, you know, there's it's a significant asset there that, you know, people are or are not um, eligible, eligible to kind of walk into when that person passes on. And the regardless of the outcome of that i always see my granddad as this kind of sharp as attack person like you you talk to him about something uh, a good example was um he's he had a he had a boat that he bought he had put the, he had these volvo engines in it and he with 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 boats you could buy red diesel essentially it was a lot cheaper than normal diesel but for him because he was a little bit tight it wasn't cheap enough so he made his own biofuel which he would basically go around to fish and chip shops and take all their oil, take it back to his warehouse 
um, uh, reprocess it, make his own diesel, and he'd run his boat for free, he'd run his Range Rover for free, and he'd sell all the excess on. So he was really like sharp as it could be, even to the point that he blew one of the engines up in the boat and managed to get Volvo to pay for the damages, even though they were, even though it was completely him at fault for what had happened. But he, you know, he managed to put together such a case for it. Mm. Um, uh, he, you know, they ended up covering the cost. So I, to me, I was just like, how has he managed? To, another example is um, Sainsbury's do this gravy, which is beyond bananas when I think about it, but they um, they stopped making this gravy. And so he basically put forward a case. He bought like fucking 14 containers worth of this special gravy so that Sainsbury's would consider continue to sell this gravy. And I know that they're trivial examples, but he in my view, always had shit organized. It was always, mm. everything was tied up with an eat by something he, you know, if something he wanted, he'd go and get it. And following his passing, what come to light was that. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, each month, the podcast has a sponsor that I love and I believe helps the car community. And this month's sponsor does precisely that. I've been a big fan of fuel for quite some time now, especially when it comes to working out. And I've got some exciting news to share with all of you. I recently discovered Huel's ready-to-drink milk, and it's a total game-changer. Not only is it delicious, but I'm a big fan of the chocolate flavour, and I'm a bigger fan of the 26 essential vitamins and minerals you need to go about your day. And let me tell you, it came in super handy during a recent 24-hour trip to a certain German racing track. Instead of eating unhealthy petrol station food, Huel kept me energised and focused on and off track. So if you are on the hunt for a quick and easy meal option, go to huel.com forward slash ignition to receive your free t-shirt and shaker and support the podcast. Now, back to the episode. He didn't really have his affairs in orders with the business. And unfortunately, it's left a divide in my own family now where we sort of aren't able to communicate properly with the other side of the family and da 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 And so... There's an element of me sort of foreseeing, well, maybe there was an element of not cowardice, but like maybe there wasn't that kind of, maybe everything wasn't under control, mm. um, which I never had before. Uh, and that that was really sort of sad to see because it was also quite refreshing as well in the sense yeah. that you realise because some, sometimes you make someone out to be this amazing thing, um, you don't always... Uh, you you start to doubt yourself because you realize oh well i'm not that person but actually you know we're all and that's what i'm saying you know you start to realize this person is human so yeah it's it's a shame but also i i also it feels more real to me what he was able to achieve now as well which is also inspiring because it feels a lot more within reach and hopefully that's what we're doing with auto idea at the moment yeah it's pretty though isn't it just because you might like you say you put these people on a pedestal and then you almost give them like a god status and it's kind of like but I'm never going to be able to do that. And then you, instead of searching for, I guess, validation your entire life, you then that might that might be what happens. So it's it's interesting to yeah. see that like what you've picked up from from the younger you as well, like in and, and living with your granddad or, or spending time with him after school. Like, how do you think that had molded you and like your visions for the future and, and your career? Like, how did that have an impact on on younger Jack? It probably wasn't until I had really had the vision for auto ID that I was clear on where where I wanted that inspiration to come from because um, where I'd always had a dream, like I always had a dream of doing stuff with cars and racing cars and, you know, all these bits and bobs. 
um, you know, playing racing games where you customize your cars, as all of us did when we were kids. Mm. Um, it wasn't really until I sort of stepped into the marketing industry, which I did uh, prior to Auto ID, where I was working in London. I worked for a creative agency, a media agency, and I was able to build the tools in my own sort of tool chest that would enable me to set up a business and correctly market it um, that I maybe realized I might be able to do something along those lines. And so we, at the time I was, like I say, working in an agency and I spent a lot of my time on uh, Facebook groups. Well, actually they were just forums back in the day and it was a forum called baby BMW. And um, when the M2 come out, so this was 2014, 2015. So we're about eight yeah. years ago when the first one come out. Um, which seems like a long time ago now. Um, but the when that was coming out, I remember it didn't have these sort of M-style wing mirror covers. And I sort of said to myself, well, it wasn't really a business thing at that case. It was more a case of, let me see if I can fix this issue or, you know, kind of find this solution and kind of get some kudos for it. So people think that, you know, there's some sort of validation there, if that makes sense, build a bit of a profile. There wasn't really a business element to it. Um, and I, I managed to find a supplier in China that would sort of fulfill this vision and would kind of go down that route um, for us. And so I invested the money to to make it happen, um, which wasn't mm. a lot. Of money. It was only about fifteen hundred quid, but I did it anyway. Um, Ten or so mirror caps turned up. I managed to sell them, and it wasn't until that point that I'd sold those caps and I'd made back my money that I'd invested that I did it again and again and again. And I realised, oh, actually, there's a little bit here. And um, I think I, you know, I turned over maybe 16 grand in the first year. And I said to myself, I was like, I could do this, which mm. seems funny, but it's because I, you know, I 10 X my investment, you know, I'd taken yeah. 1500 quid to that, you know, that 16 grand. And um, it started to feel a bit real. And um, yeah, it weren't until about three years later down the road, the, the time had finally come you know, the business at that point had only turned over about 125 grand in a year maximum. But crucially, I was working a job where I was earning, you know, nowhere near that sort of sum of money. And I'd said to myself, well, I live at home, you know, my mum and dad, are, you know, they can support me if anything were to go wrong. Um, I was very fortunate to be in that position because there's not a lot of people that are. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not saying my mum and dad come from money. They def definitely, definitely don't. Um, but if, you know, if, stuff happened, I'd be able to to find a job and I'd still have a house over my head. So I was fortunate for that. Um, and that was when it became a business. And that was how that impact that my granddad had and that lifestyle that he had led sort of, yeah, I guess, you know, encouraged me and inspired me to try and do the same. And I, and at that point, that was when I was going, wow, this could be my gateway to that lifestyle mm. that my dad lives um, or, or lived when he was younger. So um yeah, I think that's kind of where we, yeah, where we got started, really, um, which is cool. Yeah, and so, so what was it that, I guess, made you want to then pursue it further? Because if you said you've realised the risk of, like, having your parents a house of your, a house of your head. But, like, so what went, was the job not good enough? Like, was it, were you not enjoying the work? Like, so what was the push? No, I, I don't, to tell you the truth, I don't know what the push was. There was a switch that went off in my head, and I was like, I need to do this. Um, it, the truth is, I love my job. Until today... Mm. I look back on those years with rose-tinted spectacles and go, wouldn't it be great if I could go back and do that just for a day? Because, I, you know, especially when you have a bad day mm. in the office, like, why am I here doing this? I could be doing X, Y, Z and be paid X times more than what I'm doing right now. 
Um, but I, I think it was more a case of like, it's now or never. That sort of went on, you know, it wasn't now or never. I mean, I was only 21 years of age at the time, but in my head, I think today, particularly in modern society, people at the age, you know, in their early 20s want the results of, you know, 35-year-olds, 40-year-olds. They they see that big thing on social media and that's what they want. And I, and I definitely fell, um, you know, I fell victim to that in, in some sense, thinking that, you know, if I want to be as wildly successful as what my granddad is, I've got to start it now. So this sort of switch went off in my head and I was like, right, well, I'm not giving all to ID 100%. I'm definitely not giving my job 100% anymore because my head... I was getting up at five o'clock in the morning, dispatching orders, going to work, coming home, answering emails all night, getting back up again and doing it again. You know, I wasn't able to go to the gym no more. I did that solidly for three years and it was draining. Like mm. it was absolutely draining. And, and this was all just from that initial 1500 quid sort of um, investment. I'd never been given any money to sort of go ahead and do anything. It was just sort of all off my own back. So I sort of said to myself, you know, this is the chance to to do that because if I don't, I've got to give up one or the other. I need to pursue my career full time or auto ID full time. Um, so yeah, it was it was a pretty easy decision in the end. Um, but yeah, I, it was still hard to leave that job. I still loved yeah. it, um, and uh, it didn't. I think it didn't feel like the job. Not, not many people know what the media industry is like, but it was essentially a big piss up. You'd go and take your clients out. You'd, you know, enjoy, work hard, play hard. And so like, that was actually a really fun element, especially for a young lad. Like it was a really fun uh, career to have. Maybe not now so much. I probably won't want to be doing it now. But um, so it was tough to give that up, but also the obvious choice to do so. Um, like I say, that sort of switch just flipped and off we were. Basically. Yeah, so so, so what so why media then was it any like advice you got from like people at school or teachers or like career counselors because like the the idea for this podcast is like i'm just trying to find a journey for, for you and as yeah, if yeah. i know there's tons of different ways for people to, to get into what you're doing but for you like what was the advice that you were given at school that helped you find a career i guess i think for me with, with school um i struggled a lot you know i grew up wanting to become an architect of all things Mm. um i i uh went through my gcse's went to go and do my a levels and i studied physics art media and something else uh maths i can't remember um but what i realized was midway through that that i'm you know i like physics i like science i'm not very good at it so um i'm, I'm struggling there and uh I, I understand the artistic perspective but you know i don't have the best hand to draw with I might not end up being that good at this whole architecture thing, um, even though I really desperately wanted to do it. Um, I wasn't necessarily given the tools at school yeah. um, to, make, to make that cons, you know, that that conscious career choice. I was pretty fortunate in that I did well in media. I enjoyed media, um, you know, making video, making content. So. For some reason or another, I just looked online. I was like, right, I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a digital marketing uh, apprenticeship because mm. I'm really good at digital media. And uh, I fell into a job, to tell you the truth. And and I and I actually want to emphasise as well, like luck plays a big part in people's journey. You, you know, you you do create your own luck, but I, I do think that I was very fortunate that I fell into the apprenticeship. I actually I applied for a post post grad apprenticeship role. But I managed to word my wangle my way in so much. Yeah. I got to 
at 17 years of age. So I dropped out of school at 17. So I'm not the best person to ask for advice from school. But I think the, the key thing, and this is also cliche, is like just, just find something that you're 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 passionate about now more than ever, particularly in e-commerce and online and et cetera, et cetera, is so straightforward to just pick up, you know, pick up a pen and and start working somewhere you know a, a shopify subscription for example starts at 30 quid a month you know we've all you know i'd like to think they've even got a 30-day trial so you can test what it does you know sign in give it a go find something you're interested in and just get in and try because mm-hmm. one of the things that i think kids do today is they just end up in like paralysis for over analysis they'll just they'll just go oh there's so many different things i want to do just coming back like right are you interested in gaming cool why don't you sell gaming headsets why don't you do this why don't gaming mats you know why don't oh you're interested in shoot 'em ups why don't you do like special there's so many different areas and elements that if you're interested in it you're just going to spend so much more time doing it and we're moving into like a an age now where it's going to be not necessarily about um <sighs> The majority of the workforce are going to be a skilled workforce, you know, you know, that element of kind of just going to school and doing a nine to five job the rest of your life isn't really going to be the case. I think people are going to have to add a lot more value now, especially with like AI and stuff coming along. That's going to replace like some real basic level jobs. Um, so now more than ever, it's time to try and find something that you enjoy and pursue it because you'll be better than anyone else in that particular area 100 so yeah i know it's cliche and uh i can tell you the amount of times i told someone to sod off when they said just do something you love but everyone has passions you know if you're probably watching this podcast you might have some sort of passion for cars you know um so so follow that there's so many different things to do one of my good friends alex he started off cleaning cars at the age of 13. He's now got, a, you know, he's got a business worth hundreds of thousands of pounds running his own uh, detailing business. Mm. And all he did was offered his neighbours, can I clean your car? And then he moved to the next one. Can I clean your car? Everyone can clean someone's car if you learn. You've got YouTube. You've got more resources now more than ever. I think now more than at any age, we've got less excuses to, to, to go out there and say, you know, I can't do that or I can do that. I think it's quite easy to do so. But yeah, to answer your question in a long way, um, find what you like, research on it, understand the market, um, make notes and just start because um, it's easier now more than ever to start something for free. Um, As long as you've got like a broadband connection or an internet connection, you're pretty much all right. Yeah. And this is brilliant advice and and stuff that I will take for that for my own things in the future. But I mean, so when it came to you selling your first M2 mirror cap, did you realize you were setting up a digital marketing on like e-commerce business? Did you realize that what you were doing or was it just a, at the time it was just a thing you could do to earn a bit of money? Um, no, I had no idea to tell you the truth. I didn't really know what I was getting myself in for. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it didn't dawn on me until we, we'd sold everything. We'd, we'd sold everything and actually made it to be like a, I'd, I'd sold that first batch and I was like, I've got to order more. Oh, uh, do I order more than what I ordered last? And then I, and then I was like, oh, right, okay, no. So this is going to, you know, I'm going to have to start paying tax at some point. Oh, God, uh, right. What about... And it all started to then come together, then go, right, I actually do need to, this is going to maybe be something. Um, 
and I enlisted the help of my brother to help me wrap the, you know, I was wrapping, it, to this explains how much I didn't know what I was doing. Every order that went out, I was literally wrapping them like a Christmas present. And I'd put them in a box and I'd wrap them up like a Christmas present and then put a string around them and then send them along to try and like um, make sure they got there safely. And, you know, when they opened it, you know, when they got these parcels that they looked as nice as possible. So it didn't just look like some kid off the internet. Mm. Um you know, I'd sent it over to him. So, um, yeah, I didn't really have a clue what we was doing. It just sort of, it just sort of happened. And I think that's the way a lot of businesses start, you know, definitely bootstrap ones. Um, someone finds they've got a passion and, you know, they, 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 they market it and, and make it something that can make money. Um, yeah, I, I'd say that it wasn't really clear from the, from the outset that that was going to be, uh, a, a, a financial venture to be honest definitely not that could pay my salary yeah no it's interesting so, so, so where did the name come from then because like for like for me like when i named this it was quite easy it's quite simple to name uh, yeah. the, the the podcast so i'm just trying to think for you the the process of naming the company and creating the brand and all that sort of stuff like where did you start with it so initially auto id was a was a social media um page that i'd made which mm. was taking photos of cars and the idea was that you know uh that person's car was part of their identity and that's where auto id come from um then it was a social media page and then my mates um at the weekend were like wrapping their cars we were just literally buying like 30 quid carbon fiber wrap off of ebay and wrapping mirror covers and stuff so i was taking photos of that and putting it on the page and it wasn't until that sort of M2 thing come along that I actually said, oh, I'll make a website to sell these because it's a bit unprofessional just doing it via PayPal. Mm. So that was where the website come. And, you know, that original domain was set up on Squarespace. And at that point in time, back in sort of 2015, Squarespace was useless for, for, yeah. uh, for um, e-commerce. So... How I made that website, I don't really know, but it, yeah, it, it sort of, I say, it just sort of evolved really, and and an auto ID was kind of a happy accident, and and it's kind of stuck, and luckily it's you know it's a half decent name for what we do, you know, the vehicle styling shop, you know, extending your cars up, you know, personality is an extension of your identity, so mm. yeah, that, that's kind of where the where the name come from. It was sort of a happy accident essentially, um, yeah. which is cool. Yeah, and so for people that don't know what you do, um. Jack, what is it that Auto ID do? What do you specialize in? And what is the story behind the company in terms of like what you aim and your mission and all sort of stuff? Um, so we're the vehicle styling shop. So Auto ID's um, ultimate vision is to give people the opportunity to express themselves through their car. Mm. Um, now, now more than ever, like because of the way car ownership's going, you know, less people owning their cars, more people are leasing them. But then again, you know, the electric cars coming along. So car enthusiasts are kind of fighting them back against it. And do, do, do. like there's a few different currents that are sort of forming around. But one of the un, like one of the consistent things is that car enthusiasts aren't going anywhere. In fact, people now are spent now more than ever are spending more on the cars that they own mm. than ever did before uh, and the key thing is that because car enthusiasts are having that ownership they want that to like they want their car to represent them and now like um 
even manufacturers are doing it and like bmw in particular you know their end performance range is is getting bigger and larger than ever before so all of their end performance styling products they're building them for pretty much every single car now you know they're offering mm. individual you know individual paints and options for every single car so i think the big manufacturers are clocking onto this fact that you know people don't just want a silver bmw free you know 320i they want you know java green with you know orange interior with you know special bronze wheels and duh, 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 duh. people want to express themselves with their car and um I think that we are in a good position to to help with that. Um, we, we, you know, we represent not just Auto ID kind of own brands, but we represent a number of brands from around the world. Um, there's a couple of German brands that we've bought in exclusively. There's a great brand called Adro that have come from South Korea. They've done this kind of whole facelift on the new M3, which we're really proud to be part of as well. We've got some amazing builds coming up with them. So yeah, we we we're basically a one-stop shop to help you bring your car to to where you want it to be um mm. you know i respect classic cars you know i, I like to see you know, my, i myself i'm not a massive tuner in the sense that i don't like taking a car that looks like that and then making it completely and utterly entirely different and tacking on a load of chrome and da 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 i'm someone that actually is quite like oem plus or if i bought like an e30 m3 I'd want to make sure that I kept that as close to original, maybe put some BBS wheels on it and did it. Mm. So I'm like an original guy, whereas Nathan, who works for me, he's literally like, rip it all out. I want to make it exactly how I am. You know, I want to make it this color. I want that bumper or those. So I think we're in like, we can t- tackle both of those markets, but I think that the, the people that are closer to Nathan are our typical customers. They like to really customer just down literally here today. He's got bought one one series. She's just next to me now, and he's just had the full lot. He's like, you know, I bought this plain old one series. I want to make it look exactly how I envision it to do so. Mm. And yeah, that's what we're there to do. Yeah, and and so how did you build that team then? Because obviously, you get to a point where you're selling these mirror caps and. It's going to start becoming more than just mirror caps and other bits and bobs. So, yeah, would you? Yeah. So, what was the process from going you and your brother packaging stuff to to where you are now? What's interesting about what you've just asked is that I had a conversation with someone today, and I asked them for the I asked them for the advice on how do I get from you know eight to nine people to twenty to thirty to forty. Yeah. Um, and probably didn't realize that, you know, the leap that it takes to get just to where we are today, because you, you kind of, you don't really look back too often. But um, the, I think the key thing for me, and I'm coming back to luck again, because, you know, like I said, it, it plays a part. I'm very fortunate with that me and my brother, who brought, my brother's my operations manager, um, we're very different. And um, one of the one of a book to read that I'd recommend for for anyone that may be starting a business is a book called uh, Rocket Fuel, and it's basically about trying to find a running mate, um, someone that you can run your business alongside you that complements you. So, mm. you know, you might have an argument with that person because you guys have conflicting views, but the way you actually work as well means that I'm really good in this area and they're very good in this area. I'm poor in this area, but they're great in that area, you know, so you complement each other. And I, I'm very fortunate to have had that relationship with my brother. Um, I'm very much this kind of behind me, I've got a vision board and I've got a marketing plan like this. And, uh, you know, I want to do this in 10 years time. And in five years time, it's going to look like mm. this and this is the org chart. And da, 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 da. I'm like this kind of big visual person, whereas Sam is like, 
numbers. You know, he's very good at, you know, cutthroat. He doesn't, you know, very ruthless. Um, whereas I'm this big sort of soft, cuddly teddy bear that doesn't want to hurt anyone. And so it was very obvious from the start that I needed that support. And, and, and in the beginning, in 2018, Sam's seven years younger than I am. So he's yeah. he's just turned 21 now. So he was, you know, 16, 17, maybe younger, 15 or whatever, when I started Auto ID. And he just helped me pack boxes. Um, it wasn't until I quit the quit my job in 2018 and I was 20, uh, I don't know, I can't, can't do the math. I think I was 22, something like that, or 21. Um, maybe older than that. I can't remember the math. Um, yeah, numbers, but, numbers aren't your forte. It's all good. No, no, that's it. I said that, didn't I? Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't until he was in a similar position that I was when I left school at 17. He did mm. the exact same thing, but the business he left school for was auto ID. And I remember at the time I had to convince my mum and dad, I was like, look, I'm when Sam leaves school, I'm going to put him on an apprenticeship because it gives me a thousand pounds for take, putting him on an apprenticeship. I'm going to pay him a salary and he's still going to walk away with qualifications. So if this all goes Pete Tong, if you know if the business shuts down, he's still going to have something behind me. So that was part of convincing him. So that was step number one. That was mm. that finding a running mate was step number one, finding a business partner. Um, and then from there, it was it was just about people buying into the vision. Um, you know, a key part of what we do is networking. You know, particularly in the automotive industry, you have like events that people go to. Social media is a massive part of what we do. And so I needed to make sure that uh, I had a decent network around me. And I met a chap called Josh um, on social media. He come down to us. He had some bits done to his car. He liked what we was doing. And he was in a position where he could sort of work maybe with us on a bit of a satellite role and help us drive some sales. And he'd become like mm. an ambassador. He had his own car for us. He had his own car and he had parts on it and he had become an ambassador. And it wasn't really until maybe eight months into that relationship where he'd done such a great job as an ambassador. Our business was growing. I said, Josh, would you like a full-time job? You know, you're going to be our first employee outside of Sam. Now, how's that sound? And he was like, sounds great. And, yeah. uh, and, um, you know, we didn't put him on loads of money. He, you know, he, he definitely took a pay cut. And in actual fact, um, you know, he bought into the vision what we'd sold him so much. He, you know, he went and lived in an Airbnb for 12 months um, near us um, mm. with a massive, massive commitment. Unfortunately, that didn't work out. It's, you know, it's, it's not healthy to live in an Airbnb. His house, you know, his, um, his family lived in Oxford. So, Josh ended up leaving the business, but he's still, you know, a close friend of mine to date, you know, he's still involved with the business. And what Josh joining enabled was... I wanted to announce something special. Ignition is releasing a clothing line. This clothing line is something that we've been working on for quite a while now and behind the scenes been figuring out how could we give back. And the way we want to give back is give designers 30% of everything that's sold. So if you buy a t-shirt, 30% of the profits from that t-shirt will go directly to the artist. It's just a way for us to show the great and amazing talent that is in the automotive and motorsport worlds. And that means if you do have a design or an idea for a clothing line, give us a message. Email me at harry at ignitionpod.com. That's harry at ignitionpod.com. I'd love to have a chat. But anyway, back to the episode. Oh, and before you go, podcast listeners get 15% off. So check the show notes below for that code for you.
the next step, the next growth. And, and as the revenues multiplied and, you know, we've been really fortunate to just the business has, you know, doubled, sometimes tripled year on year since mm. its inception and continues to do so today. That stepping stone has enabled more people to fill his spot. We then hired a marketing girl. We then hired a creative guy. We then, you know, we've now got two people, three people, four people in the warehouse, you know, customer service people. It's just sort of, uh, as each step we've done, as we've recruited and stuff like that, it's enabled the next step and the next step. And now, you know, we're looking forward to the next one. So I guess the advice there would be, you know, don't be impatient, be patient, you know, be consistent, turn up every day, make sure that you're, you're delivering on your customers' needs, make sure that the stuff that you're selling is profitable, you know, mm. keep an eye on your numbers. If there's one thing that I wish I'd have done back in the day was get a full-time finance person in my business from the absolute start because that is critical so yeah i'd say when you start your business if you don't have a numbers person find one um that that should be your first hire um to be honest with you because if you're making profit you can hire whoever you want because the more profit you make you know the more people you bring in the more sales people you bring the more money it's it's as simple it's as simple as that it's a formula um so yeah that that's what i'd say is be patient be consistent, make sure you show up every single day and um, take take little kind of 1% steps every single day. Um, one of the things that really helped me in my journey, and I've not really spoken about it at all, is a, is a company called Action Coach. Mm. Um, they do business coaching. And, um, you know, it's a significant investment, but for, for, an, for a fledgling business that maybe doesn't have um, like a either a running mate or, or you know, someone like my granddad or, you know, like some sort of advisor where you can maybe be inspired from. They they have communities and networks of people that can really help you get going. Uh, a good friend of mine, he's just started a clothing business and I've introduced him to uh, this company, Action Coach, and their team of advisors, like the people that work there, the, also the network of other businesses that are there that he can lean on. It's just meant he's had the confidence to go from selling, you know, bits and bobs here and there to actually himself considering giving up his business as well so that's definitely something that i'd consider if i was a small business owner today yeah and, and, so, and what has that coaching done for you then personally like in terms of like development as a human being it's for me it was organization mm. as a creative person organization doesn't come natural to me um is is something that i've struggled with i'm really good at going this is what i want to do in 10 years time but if you said to me what are you going to do over the next 90 days i'd be like don't know i didn't even have a to-do list you know yeah. I, my notepad was my phone but now every single morning i'll get up i have to write what's the top three things i'm going to achieve today I need if I I'm not leaving the office until those three things are done. Cool. Then I've got the rest of my to do list. I've got my calendar planned out by schedule. Um, th those are the systems and processes that having that person there holding me to account really really pays dividends now later down the road. Mm. At the time it was tedious. You know it was boring. It was kind of like, I don't really see the value in this. Da, 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 da. It's a waste of my time. I should be doing. And now I couldn't live without it. Um, and and it, and it. And again, it's someone there to hold you to account because you know, a lot of the stuff that they say to you, you're like, oh, it's just, oh, it's just business coaching, you know, it's, oh, it's all fluffy stuff. Yeah, but it's not that, you know. There's a reason that these top, ten, you know, these top tennis players and golfers and 
they all have coaches you know that's that's the mm. whole point they, you know the professional footballers don't go home and train at home they go to the pitch and they have people that are coaching them and showing them what to be doing how to play where to improve it and and business owners don't think that they need that they you know they see these elon musks they see these other people and they think they can go out and do it on their own and i can guarantee you there's some incredible business owners today that have managed to do it on their own and you know kudos to them but i guarantee them they'd be three four times further along if they had someone next to them saying do this today do that today why don't you try this what's it I really highly recommend it, especially for a small business owner. Definitely. No, it's amazing. Like what mentors can do to help you. Like I've, I've been mentored in the past in terms of like various different things, like starting businesses that haven't gone, got, haven't gone well, or like an idea I've had on how to, how to market the idea. So I'm with you on that. Like a mentors are great and they're brilliant. And it's, it's funny. It's, it's what led me to do this in the first place was advice. Someone gave me about following my passion. Again, business fluff that you hear that you're like, uh, ignore that but then it's completely right yeah no it's it's you know it's so true and and I, and I think the truth is as you as you follow that advice um as with anything someone gives you a bit of advice and you don't believe them is whatever but when you start to follow it and you see the results you go oh no this person's actually really onto something mm. uh, and you can see it you most people see it in their day-to-day -day life you know like Let's just say you really love horse racing. You know, you're going to, let's just say you're going to set aside time in your day to make sure you go and watch the racing that's on, on telly, or you're going to yeah. put a bet on or what it might be because it's your passion. You know, you're not, you know, if you've got to do your finance, you know, if you've got to do your accounts that evening or the horse racing's on, you'll go, oh, sorry, I'll do the accounts tomorrow because I want to watch that tonight. That's my passion. Well, imagine if that was your business, you know, I'm not going to go and do that tonight. My business is my passion. That's 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 the reality of like being successful in business, and and that's why you see these kind of guys. You, you know, the reason that these Steve Jobs and whatever it was were successful in those areas wasn't necessarily because they were business tycoons. It was because they were interested in those areas and in those topics. And you're really going to struggle to be successful in a in a um, in an industry that you don't have a passion for. Um, yeah. So, that, that's definitely that's definitely something to consider. Um, even tradesmen, you know, one of my one of my friends uh, from school, he is a bricklayer, and um, by any stretch of the imagination, you would see that as I just get up, go work, lay bricks, go on. But this guy is so passionate. He's got his own Instagram page. You know, the work that he does, he's made his own uh, um, website, really pushing forward that business, and because of it. He charges X amount more. He's got more clients because he's passionate about bricklaying. It it really yeah. doesn't matter what you're passionate about. If you are, you'll be good at it. Um, so yeah, like I say, it's, it's kind of sketchy advice, but it, I'm sorry, it's cliche advice, but um, it's sound advice as well. No, it definitely is. It is I guess it's yeah. Uh, we're sometimes like you say, like hearing you speak, we're all kind of like it's all like, i hate like hate figure to make it because it's not that but it's it's all like you're all stumbling along trying to figure your own path out and it's it's okay yeah. to not take as long as other people and especially like you said with social media like he might be looking at other people doing bricklaying and they might have more followers or they might have a bigger audience or better clients but yeah yeah exactly like you said um and, and actually that was one of the points that I, I obviously mentioned like just being patient um uh I'd consider him a friend now, a chap called Imran. 
he runs a company called Evolve Automotive, very, very, very successful business. Um, he owns another company called Eventuri. And um, he posted something on social media the other day, which was, you know, like 20-year-olds are expecting results of 40-year-olds, which was a point that I opened with in the podcast because it mm. resonated with me because it's a place that I've been in definitely before, especially in the, you know, in the in the infancy of the business. Um, and I was working silly hours and I was like, yeah. I, I thought you work silly hours and then you get results and that's it. I'm, I must be failing. I'm not doing what, you know, I'm not doing what I should be doing. Um but, you know, just be patient. Um, but, you, you know, don't be patient and lazy. Be patient and consistent. <laughs> That's probably the key thing. Um, yeah. Uh, another point is, like, just showing up and, and doing stuff. Even if you do, you know, if you've got a project in mind and you do one thing on it a day, just do one thing a day on it. Just try um, because that's going to get you the result versus... I'm going to start this business. I'm going to do it all within a week and then you drop it. And then that was a nice idea and, you know, crash yeah. wallet, which I think we're all guilty for at some point. No, it's good. It's, it's great advice. And like, uh, I mean, I'm a big one for the future. That's like, I'm thinking of, and I asked a question, which is, which is pretty like, it's like almost if anything was possible and like you could do anything in the next sort of five to 10 years, like the sky's the limit, like where would you want to, where would you want auto ID to be? And like, is there a plan for that? Or what is your vision? For, for the company going forward? Yeah, I mean, some of the stuff I can't share because um, I, I ultimately don't want someone to steal that idea, but I know where the business is going. And and I think that to say that AutoID is just going to be a um, e-commerce website and a, you know an e-commerce platform is far from the truth. We're, we're going to be ingrained in the community we understand that the the company the company and the actual brand itself is is much more than that and i you know i'm a big content consumer myself i watch a lot of youtube i watch a lot of podcast you know i listen watch and listen to a lot of podcasts and i understand what brings value in my life mm. and how i relate those businesses to maybe my buying decisions as well and so i think that if we can use that in the future of our business, um, I think that that's going to make us a tremendous success. I also think that Alt ID in the UK is a nice idea, but Alt ID in the USA and the UAE and the da 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 da, da is another really interesting prospect as well. Um, I, I don't know what that could look like, but there's definitely some sort of form that could. Um, but ultimately, I just want the business to have a positive impact on like the car community because. Um, you know, we're, we've all fallen victim a few times probably to some sort of like ridicule through social media and things like that. And so I want, I want to make a place and a brand that's like inclusive in the sense that, you know, we give people the opportunity to create their cars and create their vision mm. for cars. So a safe space to do so where, and I mean that metaphorically, but also physically as well, like a physically safe space for people to come down where they're not going to be pestered by police for doing what they want to do. You know, it's an open area, it's a free space, things like that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can you can kind of read into those ideas as, you know, and those visions as much as you like. But I basically want to unpack that and have like a real car mecca, um, so to speak. So this kind of auto ID is 
sort of personified in a physical location, not just here, but not just online as well. Um, yeah, hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, like I, I don't know if you know Adam LZ. Yeah. Yeah, uh, sort of like a compound sort of thing. I, I can zag, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's like <laughs> having your own. I think as as as, as car enthusiasts. Sorry. Have you been to Mister Heritage? Um, no, I haven't. No. No. So it's it's a, it's a it's a cool place, and I think that you know those sorts of cool little locations are probably going to be quite important to to people in the future. So. Yeah, be interesting to see where we end up. You know, we've got, you know, we've definitely got a plan where we're going over the next two to two to five years, and where that will then lead us over the, you know, the five years following that as well. So um, I'm, I'm really excited. It's a great opportunity for people to get on board with our journey as well at the moment. Like we're we're always recruiting as well to to get people on board with that. So yeah, um, yeah if you're listening and you you do want a job here and you like what you hear, um, let us know. Yeah, I mean, speaking about a vision and bringing people on board, like if I was to ask Nathan, the culture of the business, yeah, and what would you think he'd say? I think he'd say, um, current. He's, you know, he's obsessed with TikTok and, you know, making sort of, you know, interesting and um, engaging and viral content. And I think that he knows that within our business, we're very accepting of if people have an idea and a vision, you know, so long as it makes sense and it's within the business hours and whatever else, you know, mm. crack on is that's how I started the business. And so I want to encourage you know, our staff to do the exact same way, you know, exact same thing. Um, for me, it's a case of, you know, here's the rules of the game, you know, do we th- as as a team, you know, I can't. I, I, I do this all the time. Um, you know, if someone does something, and you know, maybe the rest of the team might not agree with that. You know, say they turn up twenty minutes late, and you know, the reason they turned up late was because they had lay in or whatever it might be, just something trivial like that. It's just a conversation. You go, was that on or off the pitch? And and it basically just it's just sort of saying like, was that was that inside the rules that we all set up as a team? Like we all agreed, you know, when you joined us, I showed you these rules, you know, we turn up on time, we make sure we're always delivering. We always make sure that we're um, uh, helping and, and being positive in the business. We're giving, we're giving, giving um, positive criticism that's going to uh, help that person grow. Mm. These are all things that when people join the business, you know, they sign up to. So we use that as a kind of, a barometer for for uh, holding people to account with what they're doing each day. So I say it could be simple as you know, Kai out there's fitting, and you know maybe he gets the ump and something something goes wrong, gets the ump and walks off. You go out and go, Kai, come on, mate, was that on or off the pitch? And he goes, Yeah, no, it was off the pitch. I just I lost. I'm really sorry, mate. I'm just going to crack on and do it now. And so I think probably one of the key things is like empowering responsibility in people. And hmm. expecting results as well. Um, when you're a small team, you have to get results. If you if you're not delivering, you like it's you like especially in a small business. If you're not delivering on your job, you see the detriment it has on everyone else. If the warehouse messed something up, they see that the sales team that have just spent last three days trying to get that order across the line, you know, they're gutted. They're on the phone now trying to apologise to that customer because he's not checked his order. Mm. Or you know, if Sam's ordered some stock but he's missed some bits off, 
um, the warehouse now have to go and pick up the pieces and apologize. And like I so say, everything's connected. And um, like I say, that brings a lot of account- accountability and responsibility in a small business. So I think that Nathan would probably say, yeah, there's a lot expected of me. But, you know, there's a lot of ownership there and I feel really responsible for what I'm doing. And so there's a lot of um, like value in what my job. You know, you don't just feel like you're getting on a wagon wheel each day to, to do the same thing. Every, every, every day is different. Um, and I hope that as the business grows, we can continue to have that culture because I think that that extracts the maximum out of people. Um, when you give people the opportunity to have responsibility and ownership and accountability and stuff is kind of amazing what they'll do. Uh, and, mm. the, and the passion that will flow out of them as a result, just going back to finding a passion, you know, it's amazing. Amazing you makes, you know, the minute you make someone responsible for something, they instantly have a little bit of passion for it. You know, mm. you know, if I'm responsible for designing a special spreadsheet, might be the most boring thing in the world, but now that's my spreadsheet. And um I think by doing that and then you have to share that spreadsheet with the rest of the team and it's and so you 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 can kind of grow that passion you know that might not always been there you know no one's passionate about sweeping up but they might be passionate about making sure the warehouse and the thingy looks really nice so you're you know having pleasure for your work so hopefully that's what nathan would say maybe maybe not as long as that he might just go yes cool mate actually No, it's just an interesting question because it's just like it, it almost forces you to look outside to your own culture you've created and like it's, it's interesting yeah. to, to see people's different opinions of it because it's something that i mean i've like i have no i have no like sort of what it's like uh, experience in creating culture whatsoever but it's it's nice yeah, to like yeah. hear, hear people like you and different different ceos have on, have on the, the podcast like talk about it and it's just like i pick and almost pick and pull the best bits when it comes to that, like me me having my own thing I can kind of just like pick the best of that. But yeah, it's interesting. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you watch the higher performance podcast, but they have a thing where they say like, what are my non-negotiables? And mm. um, I think as a person, if you're looking to grow your business, just sit down with yourself one day and go, you know, not, not, you know, I'm passionate about, you know, this, you know, I will stand by people like, no, like what genuinely, what is your non-negotiable, right? I, you know, one of the things I have to have is that, you know, you put hundred percent participation in, you know, you don't, you know, you know, you don't argue for argument's sake, you know, you're always non-biased, you do, 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 do. you have a holistic view. Try and say to yourself, these are, these are what they are. And that will quickly become the culture of the business that you build and people will feed into it. They'll build their own thing, but, I think that's definitely going to be, yeah, key to yes. building a culture. That you... it's, it's the three things you won't compromise on, isn't it? I, I, I love, I love the podcast. Like I have a massive, massive follower of that one. Um, it's great. Yeah. I, I recommend it to anyone. I, I mean, it's just, it's a brilliant thing. Even if you don't want to become a billionaire, whatever, or a pro sportsman, it's just a great podcast to, for advice to live your life, basically. Uh, no, definitely, mate. Oh. Yeah. And, and Jack, I mean, for yourself, like personally, in five, 10 years, obviously the business is your baby and it's this thing that you want to grow. But like outside of the business, is there a, is there a life there, like friends, family, like in the, what is the what is the goal for you yeah, personally? Yeah, I've got a fiance, you know, we've got a house, you know, we've got a little dog, we've got, you know, mm. we've got, a, you know, our family. And so for me, I'm not, I'm not someone that's massively driven by you know, being the wealthiest man on the along the street for me, I just want choice, which goes you know goes full circle back to my granddad. Um, 
I'm not necessarily interested in being sort of the you know the richest man down the road. Um, my my personal interests are making sure that I've got enough to live and enough to 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 have choice and 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 more importantly empower the people around me to do the same. Um, so you know I'd get no more pleasure than to be able to see my brother have the exact same sort of situation in life. So it's always going to be about trying to build up people, not just myself but people around me as well, which sounds very noble, but it's genuinely kind of what interests me. I'm not I'm not like I say I'm not massively interested in working hundred hour weeks and becoming mm. some sort of Elon Musk level of you know person. Uh, I would pref- much prefer to go home at five o'clock, you know, be with my fiance, you know, when we have a family, have a family, you know, be there for my sons and, you know, my kids and whatever else and make remote control cars and things like that. Um, and when I grow up and do the same sort of thing. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where I want to go and auto IDs kind of help him become, to become that vehicle essentially. Mm, that's brilliant. And then um, like, I mean, like the podcast, like, like the High Performance podcast, this, this one ends on, on five questions um and they're yeah, called cool. the fu- they're called the fast five but that's only recently so oh, we'll have to add that in but um <laughs> yeah it was, it was uh anyway it's not fast and furious related but there we go they won't, they won't see me so so um, I like, I, that's my favorite it's my favorite tonight so it's all good yeah perfect brilliant okay so the first one of those is the ultimate three-car garage for yourself three-car garage uh, right, I always grew up wanting a Lamborghini Gallardo convertible. Uh, Gallardo convertible. That was one that um, that was my poster car when I was a kid. Mm. So I think I'd either have to have that or a Huracan convertible, some sort of V10 convertible Lamborghini. That was what I always aspired to have. Um, I'd have to have some sort of BMW M car. But I don't know what it would be. Um, I would have to say my BMW M car I would like would be an M2 OG LCI manual. Um, one that I'd modify, make my own little track beast that I could track all day, every day. Um, and then you'd have to just have a family wagon, wouldn't you? Something like a Range Rover, I suppose. Um, some sort of, yeah, family ship. Or or, a, or an estate, you could have an M3 Touring as well, I guess, if you wanted to tackle that. Don't really, yeah, you, don't live in the country. Minute, so. Yeah, yeah, you're now, you're now you can have an M3 finally, but there we go. They've yeah, uh, finally, yeah. took their sweet time with it. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, the next question is like, you have one car to drive on any road or track in the world, but you can only do it once. Where would you go and what would you take? It would be, um, um. Aston Martin Valkyrie AMR Pro. Yeah, nice. The uh, V12, I'd love to just drive one of those, um, to be honest. Um, And then the track. Oh, I don't know, you know. It's a hard one. Um, Not the Nuremberg. Something with an amazing view. I don't know. there's a new there's a new track on Gran Turismo. Can I have a virtual track or is it? If you want, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> there's a new track on Gran Turismo. It's called like um, uh, Grand Valley or something, and it's like a C. It's a it's a road track that's along the coast of California. So ripping through 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 those roads with one of those would be absolutely insane. 
Brilliant. Um, and your the job or vocation you would have if money was no object, it wasn't a thing. Like, what would you do for a living? I would swim with dolphins every single day. No. Um. <laughs> uh. What would I do? Um. I'd probably do. I'd probably be like some sort of business coach or something, or some sort of like just to help people talk through the stuff that I've experienced. And mm. if I didn't have to earn any money for it, that would, that would seeing people get results and achieve what, you know, help people achieve the dreams that they want to achieve. I'll probably get a lot of value out of that. I think I feel a lot of worth. And I feel that's one of the areas I could give back to other people in, um, to be honest. So yeah, I'd like to do that. Brilliant. Uh, fantastic. And uh, the next one is the advice you'd give to a younger you or someone that wants to pursue something with their passion as well. Just go and do it. Um, don't stop making excuses. Um, it's really easy to say, I can't do this. I haven't got that. I've not got this. Da, 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 da. You know, just go and do it because I've been, I've done that. I've, I've made those excuses. You know, the hardest, you know, the hardest weight to lift in the gym is the front door. So you need to, you need to get through that door and just do it. And even if you just leave it, that's it to my, in my opinion. Yeah, fantastic. And then the last question is: Is what would what you love most about cars? Uh, about cars, sorry. Yeah, sorry about cars. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I just, I like the fact that they feel passion. You know, they're 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 a part of us. They're not just, you know, they're not just four wheels and a bit of metal. They're, you know, they're much more than that. And um, and people get, you know, car logos tattooed on them. You know, they're 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 ingrained in people and culture, and so. Um, I think it's quite cool that that has happened. And um, and I like the fact that with cars, you can recognise a car guy and, you know, you've immediately connected with that person over that. And same way with people with football, they can, you know, chat crap all night long about football. And I, I, I like that cars have that same effect, that sort of network effect. Brilliant, yeah. Oh, well, Jack, thank you for your time. It's, it's been a pleasure to learn a bit more about you, your business, and like just, just how you operate as a person. It's been a pleasure. No, mate, thank you for the time. It's been a little bit like therapy, actually, so it's been great to have a chat with you. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you for that. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate your time, mate. Thanks for the opportunity. Anytime, anytime. Having listened to Jack and hearing him speak so positively about change, I wanted to pose you a challenge. Do one thing today, tomorrow, and the day after that scares you. If you push your comfort zone outwards and make the most of your surroundings, you'll be doing your future self a favour. Only some people have to start a business but you must try and find what works for you. That said, I'm Harry and this is English in Podcast. Thank you for listening. I wanted to say a massive well done and thank you for taking your time to listen to what me and my guests have to say. This podcast was designed to help people in the automotive and motorsport industries. And so if you think I've done that, please hit follow on this app. I would really appreciate it and it would help us get bigger and better guests. See you next time.